Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, y'all. If you have trouble of any sort with your vehicle, I recommend checking out Performance Tire and Automotive in Denham Springs, Louisiana. Y'all, recently... I own both of my trucks. I bought all new tires, had oil changes, windshield wipers, everything. I went and saw Ben at Performance Tire and Automotive, and he hooked me up. Give him a call at 225-665-9885. The best honest service you can ever find for your vehicle, Performance Tire and Automotive. PerformanceTireAndAutomotive.com for more information. Right there in Denham Springs, Louisiana. Not only ladies have problems with their hormones being out of place. When I noticed my hormones fell out of line, I went to Flourish Hormone Replacement and Wellness Centers in Denham Springs. Hey, I went and got my blood tested because my wife was going for the uh, to Flourish, and I didn't even know anything was wrong with me. And guess what? Everything was wrong. But Flourish took the personal time. Miranda took the personal time. Jennifer took the personal time with me, and they got my health even better than it was, y'all. Yeah, and they don't just do hormone replacement. They do all kinds of different massages. They have vitamin B shots and injections to really get your vitamin B up there where it should be. Yeah, and again, for me, it's the personal attention. I've had them call me after hours when the blood work came back, after the doctor, after Miranda was studying my stuff, and she really, really cares, and they really go out of the way to give you your best health options. The hormone replacement is just the tip of the iceberg. So we both recommend Flourish Hormone Replacement and Wellness Centers in Denham Springs. Not only do we recommend it, we use it, y'all. I stand behind them a thousand percent as health professionals and as people. That's right. Check them out for more information on their website at flourishhormonereplacement.com. Or give them a call at 225-283-1211. This is the story of America's bloodiest prison, told by the people who lived it, both inside and outside its gates. The brutal history as you've never heard it before, from its origin as a slave plantation to its gradual growth as the bloodiest maximum security prison in America. To those outside its gates, is known as Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola. But to those 
who has spent time inside its gates, is known as Bloody Angola. Come with us as we take you through the gates and give you a first-hand look at not only the stories of the stabbings, rapes, executions, escapes, and murders you won't find on any TV show or the internet, but also the murders, abductions, attacks, and hostage situations of the staff and their families, otherwise known by the convicts as free people. Bloody Angola is a comprehensive, no hold barred podcast that takes you on a journey through time from its inception as a slave plantation to America's largest maximum security prison, where 80% of its population will die inside the wire. Get mentally prepared, sit back, and listen. As we cover these stories in detail, in ways that you've never heard before, from people that lived it, breathed it, and died with it. Bloody Angola. Warning, Bloody Angola is a podcast covering actual events and is intended for mature audiences. The subject matter discussed in no way reflects the personal opinions of the host or sponsors of this podcast. Thank you. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Bloody Angola, the complete story of America's bloodiest prison. A podcast, 142 years in the making. And I'm your host, Woody Overton. And I'm Jim Chapman. And we did that a little different yeah. today, just to throw you all <laughs> off. <laughs> but we're going to leave it in there. That's I like right. it. I like it, too. I like it, too. I'm rolling unscripted, right? That's it. So, y'all, welcome to this episode of Bloody Angola, Season 2, Episode 1. Yes. Great, great episode. A lot of personal history here, um, and Jim did an excellent job of researching it. But the name of the episode is going to be The Red Hat Cell Block, keeping in our now tradition on the first episode, The Walls, is more of a like a history episode with some kind of horror stuff in it. Well, we're going to kick it up a notch today. This is a pure history of, of Angola, um, but it's kind of a little bit harsher, too. Angola with the age of the prison itself, one of the oldest prisons, if not the oldest, in the country. There's a lot of history there to uncover and unwrap, and one of the most famous buildings at Angola is the Red Hat cell block we're going to not only cover a little bit of the history of how the red hat cell block came to be but we're also going to cover a couple of the stories of what life was like inside of the red hat cell block wait till you hear this shit it's bad but y'all this is all true this is history now we're not saying it was right or 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 whatever obviously we're not throwing 
shade on Angola or anything else, but this is just history. In 1933, there was an escape, a famous escape from Angola in which two guards were killed. An unfortunate thing. Yep. The two correction officers brutally murdered uh, during this escape. Because of that, that was how kind of the Red Hat cell block came to be. So before we jump into that, we want to give you a little history on Angola before the Red Hat existed. One thing I was surprised to find out was there was no maximum security cell block at Angola prior to 1935 when the Red Hat was completed. Back in those days, y'all remember they were using a lot of convict guards. We go back and listen to season one, uh, the first two episodes. It was just a totally different world. But really, at that point, I guess it would have been necessary if they had thought about having a maximum security cell block. But they just housed them and in you know locked the doors at night, and and you had M8 guards that ran stuff. Bad yeah, thing happens, <laughs> and, and not only an escape. 1933, y'all brutally murdered. Two correctional officers in the escape, and they were like, mm, you know what? How in the fuck can we stop this from happening again? Because before that, they were housed basically in a barracks. They would eat there. They would have a small room. There was one small room in Angola constructed in case an inmate bucked up. They would put him in that small room, and that would be considered the solitary confinement. It could only fit one guy, but that was all they really had prior to that. Well, they had a prisoner that was an escape artist. He'd escaped from prisons all over the country. We're going to talk about him. Charlie Frazier was notorious for escaping from prisons. And when they heard he was uh, coming to Angola originally, uh, they knew it was going to be a problem. They didn't realize it was going to be that much of a problem where in 1933 he would brainstorm escaping Angola, which he did, and two guards would be killed in the process. And Charlie Frazier was an OG, y'all. At one point, they even said he ran with Bonnie and Clyde for a little while. Now, this is back in the days of Dillinger and Bonnie and Clyde and all that. Well, guess what? Charlie Frazier may have been one of the lesser-known badasses, but he was a badass. And when Jim said he escaped from numerous prisons, I think it was in the 20s, like like 27 different prisons he had already escaped from. You couldn't hold this cat. And, and he was getting out and robbing and murdering in, you know, the different states, Texas, Louisiana, whatever. I mean, 27 prisons. What the fuck? <laughs> they uh, could not keep uh, this guy locked down, uh, for lack of a better term. And Angola was no exception. He, in fact, escaped from Angola. We're going to tell that whole story another time. The first thing we want to jump into here is to give you kind of a layout of the Red Hat cell block. So they escape in 1933. Angola gets together and they basically say, we need a cell block for the worst of the worst, because those are the most likely to kill guards and also escape. The geographical layout of Angola at the time, you know, prevented a lot of that. They had other ways of disciplining, you know, like we told you in season one, the whipping post and uh, all the different stuff. After this escape, they're like, "Mm, we need to really kick it up a notch, make it a place that like you go in that. I guess it would have been an original termination of the whole. We need to make sure you're secure. They're prisoners. 
and you want to spend as little money on them as possible. So it took really two guards getting killed and a, and inmates escaping before they were willing to spend the money on a cell block. Right. After the escaping in 33, they started the construction of this one-story cell block, and they completed it in 1935. And it had a total of 40 individual cells that were laid out with 20 on each side. And the inmates were stacked in at two per cell. So basically they could house 80 inmates at a time. These 80 inmates were in very close quarters. To tell you exactly how close these quarters were, each individual cell was only five feet wide by seven feet deep and was designed to hold two inmates, is what he just said. At the top of each cell, there was a one-foot-wide concrete square, and it was intended for ventilation. They had an iron flap that went over that. That iron flap was controlled by a guard. Never got opened and closed. Yeah. And it <laughs> didn't really, get a shit. It was on what they call a rack. It was a pole that had a metal thing that ran all the way down it, and it, it, this big lever they push open and yeah. open them all at the same time. They they couldn't open them individually or whatever. And guess what? They didn't open them because they didn't give a shit. They could really care less how, how much ventilation they had. Number one, if you were in there, you were bad. You were separated from the regular inmates who were bad. So right. you were the worst of the worst to be considered a red hat. The individual cells had a concrete bed. There was no mattress. It was basically like a built-up piece of concrete on a slab that you just laid down on, and that's where you slept. No toilet in the individual cells, and the inmates were supplied a bucket both to defecate and urinate, Woody Everton. I love that. So, y'all, in prison now, uh, or when I worked in them, the, if, if you had two men in a cell, like on the working cell block, and one of you had to take a dump, whether you're sitting there and you, you – you, the other one can't get away, right, when you're taking it. So every time you plop one, you hit the button and flush it. It's called a courtesy flush. <laughs> there was no courtesy flush on the Red Hat no. sidewalk. <laughs> it, was a, it was a bucket, a steel bucket on the floor. You got a cellmate, you're both using the same bucket. They don't give you two buckets. Oh, shit. If they were nice, they'd let you empty it the next morning. Yeah, that's crazy. If they were nice. Right. Imagine that, sharing a steel bucket for two guys in a cell that's five by seven, that's 35 square feet. Right. You, you really hope your cellie doesn't have the run. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. Oh, yeah, plug it up. Bro. Yeah, 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 I guarantee you there was no toilet paper either. Imagine that. The cell block was made completely of concrete, but surrounding the cell block were four guard towers. Now, the UCR bloody Angola emblems on the shirts that Jim and I are wearing now, the, that's basically how they were back then. Now they're made out of cement blocks, but uh, they were like towers on, on wooden slats in the garden. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Art's only job was four of them. One on each corner of the building. If you see a cat come out, especially with a red hat, red hat on, kill him. The way they would distinguish these red hats were they had a straw hat that they would go work in the fields in. And around that brim, they would paint a red, essentially like a red line. And what that told the guards were, that's the worst of the worst, and we can kill them without getting fired. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, essentially. Yeah. I mean, go back to the Hill Street gang, the, um, like the death certificates and drowning and broken backs and stuff like that. That's the ones that they had to tell. So life inside the red hat. Holy shit. Now. You certainly, if you're going to send your worst, your worst to live in this one place and you have to build it and you have to, you know, put your gun towers and paint their hats and well, you're not going to give them a lot of love. All right. Not that the rest of the prisoners got love, but let's just, let's talk about food. The food consumed by the convicts or the red hats were leftovers from the chow line that were mixed together in steel buckets into a watery mash. And this mash was tossed in each cell, most times spilling onto the floor, forcing the inmates to eat the mash directly off of it. Yeah, they were parsing through rat feces and everything else to do it because the red hat had a rat problem. Imagine if you're just kind of tossing food into that cell and a little slot at the bottom and it's sloshing everywhere and it's getting on the floor. Well, the rats want to eat that as much as you do, right? So they tell their friend rats, hey, there's food on the floor. Major rat problem. But here's the other thing, y'all. Think about this. No lighting. No long light situations. And guess what rats know? The sound of the slosh when it hit the floor and it's dinner dark time. and it, that's right. Dinner time, have lost <laughs> conditioning, baby. And so now you're on the floor licking up your food, fighting the rats for it. The rats would cover the floor so deep at night that the floor would appear to move by itself. Wrap your mind around that. Not only that, you now your clothing wasn't going to be the best, right? So they gave them prison issued shit that they made from cotton right right there that they raised on bloody Angola. But the rats would eat at the cotton clothing worn by the convicts at night. And many former inmates said it was common for some convicts to be nude in their cells due to the rats completely consuming all their clothing. I got to, I got to fight them for my food. They've taken my clothing, and they're eating it off of me. I mean, yeah. like tearing. Imagine. I'm sure they're swapping it, but hell, you can't see. You can't and they're see. climbing off over. What, at what point? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get the right car at Riker. It's the Riker Black Friday Savings Event. Get a $500 gas card with the purchase of any new vehicle. Only at RikerKia.com. Get the right car at Riker. We're dealing. How many fucking rats does it have to be to eat all your clothes off of you? Big ass rats. Them suckers eating. Bars. Big ass rats. <laughs> That's right. Holy shit. Look, it's hot as hell. There is no ventilation. So you're popping your shirt off. You're putting that in the corner, yeah, right? Yeah. You wake up the next day, your shirt's gone, and there's four fat rats sitting there looking yeah. at you with teeth the size of freaking Texas. Oh, yeah, right. They had a system of steel doors that were controlled from receiving the area. The doors were solid steel and barred at the top. When the prisoner would come in, you'd check him in and now, assign him a cell. Nowadays, they call that the bullpen. Any cell block or dormitory area that you enter into, they have that little area. Nowadays, they shake them down there for contraband or whatever, but that's control uh, flow of movement. Like Kelly Jen said, no one door opens unless the other one's closed. But this one, Red Hat cell block receiving area, steel doors, closed. Bars at the in. top. And racking it back. Yep, and boom, you're in there. Y'all, the first execution chamber, as well as the first electric chair known as Gruesome Gertie, were housed in the Red Hat cell block. But hanging, believe it or not, was the the form of execution until the late 1940s. Yeah, and that was something that in my research, I didn't realize that hanging was around that long. So when the Red Hat cell block was built, it was constructed. It was some 10 years later before Gruesome Gertie uh, came into existence. Before that, they'd just hang you. That was the form of execution. You were just like in the Wild West times. You watch old West movies, and you're going to hang. Get a a rope. Yeah, get a rope. (laughs) That's right. String him up. String him up. Yeah, so just like that. Until the mid-1940s, that kind of blew my mind. That's a psychological intimidation also. You get in swung, is what they call it, and when you get – place into a cell block then we're swinging um, you know you're swung yeah. so you're getting swung to the red hat you're going in through the the bullpen the where the steel doors and everything guess what you see gruesome gertie yeah like holy shit yeah i mean that's that's pretty, pretty and intimidating. There may be some of you out there that are from Louisiana, and you've maybe you toured in Angola when you were younger. Uh, they still had that old electric chair, and you could tour the Red Hat. I, I sat in it. Yeah. Uh, uh, not only that, let's talk about. I've walked through right through this building on the the door on the roadside in. and it was it's still even dark then, even though they had the, the slats open at the top, but it's still like dark and murky. I mean, it's high noon outside and you walk in and it's so small. You would never believe uh, you could you say five by seven. You never understand how small that is until you see it. No toilets, no lights. Uh, I mean, it was there. And then you think about the history of it at the time and, and it was just, it'll blow your mind. But you walk, one thing that Angola doesn't have now is sales facing each other. Back yeah. that red hat had sails on each side. 
Yeah, and there's a reason for that. You can't get grabbed from either right, side. Right, right, right. And well, also, it cuts down on communication and stuff like that, even though they pass kites down and strings, uh, things up the up and down the tiers. That's how they pass notes and stuff. But the it's a security thing. Back then, they hadn't perfected a cell block yet. Right. They didn't realize that was the first one. Holy shit, we put them across from each other, then, you know. They can plot against they, us. Exactly. They can talk, uh, communicate freely. Maybe one of them on one side gets the correction officer's attention and one on the other side, you know, gasses him or throws shit on him or whatever. It's just, it was eerie. Um, it's way smaller than what people would think it is. It's not this massive building. I mean, it's just not. It's uh, I mean, it's literally five-by-seven cell, five-by-seven cell, and then the walkway, I bet it wasn't. And that's another thing they improved on is how much room you have to walk down the cell block or a tier yeah. because I bet it wasn't I bet it wasn't six feet in between the cells. Yeah, so they could just reach out and grab you. As we told you, it was called the red hat because the convict housed there had straw hats they'd wear in the fields, and they could kind of distinguish them. I go through this all the time since I've been doing this show. People ask me, well, I don't feel sorry for them. They're prisoners, right? And and yeah. uh, Woody has said it famously many times and that your society is judged on the way you treat your prisoners. Right. If any cell block in the United States had a bad reputation, it was the Red Hat. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was famous. Now, they had some penitentiaries on the East Coast. I know they were a little bit older then Angola, they got started before the Civil War, but they have shit on the Red Hat cell block. Uh, um, these these big, massive prisons, whatever, and you know, but the conditions weren't like this. And that was exactly what the prison wanted to do in some ways, is they wanted to create a cell block where the conditions were so horrible that the prisoners would not buck up for fear of being right. sent That's to the Red Hat. It, it was a deterrent, as well as... You know, when you're sentenced to the Department of Corrections, the Department of Corrections' job is to keep you alive and to keep you from getting out and hurting the citizens again. It's not really to punish you for your crime. Well, you don't treat them bad for their crime they're inside. You're just housing them and you're protecting them while they're doing their sentence. The Red Hat actually did not close until 1972. Yep, I was... Young bucks, two years old. Yeah, my, my grandfather. Would, so during your lifetime, would, and I, I was two years from being the, born. Yeah, he would have <laughs> been. He would. My grandfather was a district attorney there at, at that time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, who prosecuted all the killings that happened there? But 1972. So that's almost 40 years that people had to fight rats for food, had their clothing eaten, wore the red hats, and it's just amazing. You would be maybe shocked to learn that when they closed the red hat of course they needed another maximum security lockdown facility and so they created camp j which we'll oh, do an episode on camp j is its own monster and it stayed open almost the same amount of time as the the red hat before they were like oh, holy shit yeah. It's almost bad as a red hat, but not quite. Yeah, yeah, right. And and eventually Camp J was closed for right. for some reasons that we'll cover in upcoming episodes. This red hat cell block was so historic. In 2005, Angola applied for recognition on the National Historic Registry. Yeah, but there's three things uh, that you have to have to be approved for the National Historic Register. It, the building either has now this could be a home y'all like a plantation home or a prison whatever it doesn't matter uh, some famous office building it either has to have 
a famous person that lived there, um, be restored to its original condition in that had a certain amount of age on or something like that. But the, certainly the red hat was famous for the inmates that housed there, like Charlie Frazier, the national historic registry, they applied for it and they got it. They got it. It's a big deal. That's right. In 2005. And not only did they get it, we got our hands on the actual nomination form that Angola filled out. So one thing we're going to do for Chase team members is we're going to upload the actual, it's like a 10-page National Register of Historic Places nomination form from Angola, and that's going to be locked up for you guys. It's really interesting. Really we're just going to read one part of that now for you. It says, the Red Hat cell block is locally significant as a milestone in the development of prisoner control at the Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola. Surprising as it may seem, Angola did not have a cell block until Red Hat was built in 1935. The immediate catalyst was the killing of two guards during an attempted escape in 1933. Seen within a larger perspective, Red Hat was one step in a series of control measures inaugurated in the mid-1930s. The cell block takes its distinctive name from the trademark straw hats with the red trim worn by its inmates. That's right. And in that in that paragraph, what he used the term control measures, and that's something Kelly Jennings also used. Prison is all about control. Right. Control. So uh, even back then, they were seeking control measures. Now, it also says while treatment of prisoners was generally better than in the convict lease years, it did vary from administration to administration. In the first two decades of state control, treatment improved and the death toll significantly dropped. But Carlton labels that the 1920 to 40 period, which they refer to as years of erosion, by 1940, he writes, the penitentiary had marched backward towards the age of Lisey James, which the walls, if you go back to that episode, we talk about a little bit about James and then get really in depth in the next episode. Now, all available evidence indicates that in the lean depression years, with the overriding goal of self-sufficiency even more critical, convicts were particularly pushed to the limits. One result was a high number of deaths, get this y'all, some 41 annually. It's almost one a week. I guess they took off for Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> they must have. <laughs> it, it was within the context, I'm sorry, it was within this context that Angola received its first cell block, its first real jail in the generally accepted sense of the word. In the S. L. James days, convicts lived in former slave quarters on the place. When the state assumed control, barracks were built where men slept in crowded bunk bed conditions and took their meals. Each barrack had one tiny room where a convict would be placed for a particular punishment. Whether this room was barred, it's not known. Armed convict guards roaming in the place were the deterrent to escape, but obviously they were not the sufficient deterrent. There were 113 escapes for the period of 1932 to 34. Two-year time period. While the block's being built, while Red Hat's being built. Yeah. The most serious came in September 1933 when two prison employees were killed, the direct catalyst for the construction of the cell block known as Red Hat. So Charlie Frazier escapes from Angola 
1933. They killed two inmates. There were some two, other people guards, that escaped. Yeah. Two guards, yeah. excuse me. Uh, there were some other people that escaped, and Charlie's running. He gets all the way to Texas. Eventually, eventually, it took a while, a, a long while, he gets caught again in Texas. Texas calls Louisiana, and they basically say, hey, we caught Charlie Frazier. But, uh, you know, he's such an escape artist. We really don't want him here. And Angola says, no problem. We got the red hat now, baby. We built it for him. We built it for him. So, boom, they extradite him back to Angola, and they put him in a cell. What happened, Woody? And <laughs> This is crazy. This, They put him in the cell. And they welded the cell door shut. What? Let me say, welded it shut, folks. Welded it. Now, never to be opened for seven years. Yeah. Welded him in. You Guess what? Charlie Frazier, he didn't get out that motherfucker. And he did not. Yeah. He did not. For seven years, he never stepped foot outside of that cell. You know, nowadays you get wreck time and all that stuff, right. even when you're in solitary confinement. So instead of holding 80, I guess it held 79 because Charlie, old Charlie Frazier and his rats. Yeah. They, they housed that one. I wonder if the rats got welded in. No, they had to feed them uh, a slop under the door so yeah. the rats could get in and out. What I wonder what Charlie did for seven years. Louisiana <sighs> fixed his ass, right? Yeah. Uh, well, when you escape 30 times, I guess you don't have an option. And, and, and you kill uh, indiscriminately. Yeah, I mean, and he he went by other names also, aliases, et cetera. But he was a he made Bonnie and Clyde look like schoolboys and girls. Probably one of the worst criminals of all time that you've never heard. That you of. never heard of. Yeah, we're gonna do something on him one day too. Absolutely. So more on him in an upcoming episode. But welded him shut for seven years, and for those that welded it, you. <laughs> well, did you Can you imagine what a welding machine looked like in 1935? Oh, my God. Uh, it's not like they had, you know, could go in and TIG weld it everywhere. Yeah. Like, what's he saying? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? What's oh, that flame coming through my door? Yeah. Well, then you're in, bitch. Yeah. You ain't, no, you ain't escaping from here, Charlie. Yeah. He never got a shower, never got anything. Seven years. Seven years. And uh, for those that are curious, uh, you know, did he die there? No. It, actually, after seven years, they went ahead and said, okay, we're going to unweld his door. He's, he's old enough now. We don't have to worry about him escaping, I guess. Well, he eventually died a very old man at Angola in 1959. So after they captured him, which I believe was 1937, something right. like that, he spent like another 22 years in Angola before he died in right, there. Right, right. How about and that? Did we, do we know if he's buried in the cemetery there? I can't imagine somebody came to claim this. We don't, body. but if somebody listening does, let yeah, us know, well, and we're going to do some research. That's a yeah, great we're gonna question. Yeah, we're going to look that up. a good one. I'm going to tell you on the Charlie Fraser episode. Yeah. So, and as we did, as we mentioned earlier, a federal court took over Angola for massive reform in 1972, the bloody years, right? Right, right. right. Where we got our name from, and they basically uh, closed the red hat, making way for Camp J. Yeah. Craziness. Bad yes. place. I, I can see it in my, in my mind's eye right now. Quoting from the Historic Places nomination, it says the September tragedy of 1933 showed clearly that troublemakers were being must be segregated and placed under conditions of very definite control. 
A special cell house was built with reinforced concrete and has 40 cells capable of housing 80 prisoners. These troublesome convicts are housed there under absolute control. To date, the segregated population has not exceeded 23. Now, one thing uh, I do want to mention before I go any further, this this was written from a newspaper in 1934. So this newspaper is just going off of what what Louisiana State Penitentiary at that time was telling them. Has not exceeded 23. It is 19 at this writing. The idea of the cell block is not to punish, but to control. The occupant can't hold secret caucus with others. Conversation. He can't terrorize others. He can't stealthily leave his bed and approach a sleeping man to do harm while the guard is not looking. He is under control. This group dubbed in the Red Hat Gang by by their fellows is under special guard. The work is under special guard. The system is a deterrent to those who might be tempted to violate the rules. No one wants the individual service of that cell room and discipline and order have been easier since the adoption of the system. The report then proved its point by providing escape figures before and after Red Hat's construction. There were only four in 1936 versus the, what, 100-something? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so Angola's first cell block was one aspect of a pattern of control exerted in the 1930s by 1936 as reported in the Louisiana State Penitentiary Biennial Report. 25 guard towers have been erected along the perimeter of Angola, manned day and night with riflemen under the constant supervision of a civilian employee riding the line. Modern weapons were purchased and guards were trained in marksmanship. Security of confinement had become an obsession at Angola by 1940. Angola had become the Alcatraz of the South, proclaimed newspaper man Harnett Kane in a full-page photo story in 1939. The 1940 report for the prison system concluded that the first and foremost duty is to keep prisoners safe. Relegated to second place for the first time officially observed Carlton was the duty to make the system as light a burden on the taxpayer as possible. As Woody and I have always talked about, they wanted to be self-sufficient. In the same report, the warden noted with some pride that there have been no successful escapes for almost four years. Eight men, however, had been shot and killed during attempts shot and killed baby that's it shot and killed eight of them they did get some control there and the escapes went down massively they had success and and then like when this report was right now y'all gotta take this report with a little bit of grain of salt this is the face that they were putting out in 1930 something to the public population wise now being almost six thousand inmates compared to back then it probably wasn't a 500 or a thousand or something um but it worked. They proved their point. Harsh. Yep. But yeah. it did the job. It did the job. So the Red Hat is indeed a notorious place in Angola history and legend. It was a place to avoid. Crowded bunk beds, three atop each other, must have seemed like bliss in comparison to the tiny cells with their concrete beds. A legendary nurse at Angola, Mary Margaret Daughtery, related later in life, I even went to the Red Hats. There was one boy there that was in a coma, and the guard said it wasn't safe to take him out. I said, well, if he's in a coma, either come here or I'll come there. So I went into the Red Hats. The boy 
had diabetes, so I gave him some insulin, and he snapped right out of it. Oh, yes, the guards were afraid to go in. Yes, but I didn't mind going in the red hats. The odor, though, would knock you down. While Nurse Daughtery may have been exaggerating about the guards being afraid, her recollections are indicated of the cell block's notorious status. Nurse Daughtery was the nurse. The angel. The angel that we spoke of in Hill String. Right. Yeah. And it, it, my mama, being raised on the B-line, had even heard of the uh, nurse Daughtery, but they all she was referred to as the angel because she did it all. Uh, she sewed them up and fixed them and everything else. And she even, she testified about the conditions and she even produced some heroin and something else she had bought off inmate for like five bucks. Even though they closed the red hat, uh, as far as a cell block to house, uh, lockdown prisoners, it was still in use until 1991 as it was where the electric chair was contained. And so saw saw it until 1991, you sat in that electric chair and you rode the lightning. Rode the lightning. Rode the lightning. And that I don't. It wasn't old Gertie then. I think the Gertie was one that was mounted on the um, on the flatbed, but it was old Sparky. Then, old and Sparky. I, I sat in. To tell you how impressive this facility is in regards to history, infamous, infamous. Yeah. So in 2015, the Smithsonian contacted uh, Angola officials, and they said, "Look, we are building a new African American history." wing of the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. And when they say wing, if you've ever been to the Smithsonian, it's miles and miles of one wing might be a mile long and mile wide. It's huge. So they're building a national African-American history section of that. And they said, we want one of the guard towers from the Red Hat. So sure enough, uh, Angola officials were all about that, and the Smithsonian came down, and they actually deconstructed a one of the four guard towers that surrounded the Red Hat, and it was 21 feet tall, and they took that, and now if you go to the Smithsonian and you go to the African-American history section, you will actually see the actual one of the actual guard towers that was at Angola. Yep, gun towers. Imagine how many people were shot out of that tower trying to escape. Orders of shoot to kill if yep. you saw anyone stick their head out of that thing. Especially, yeah. And, and especially if they had a red hat. Oh, yeah. 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 But, yeah. but anyway, anyway, I mean, I don't imagine if you're going to escape, you're going to take time to put your red hat on. But the uh, in D.C., in the Smithsonian, one of the towers. One of the towers. I sat there for 30-something-plus years. The most infamous cell block in the history of the United States. Bar none. Bar none. At Bloody Angola. At Bloody Angola. Came out to existence out of a need, right? They're yep. trying to figure out, hey, how can we stop this? And they had some success. But it was a success for everybody but the convicts who were doing time in there. That's right. I wonder what happened to the rats. <laughs> God, who knows? <laughs> They're probably still there. They're probably still there. Generations, I'm sure they are. Holy shit. And, you know, you can still go tour that facility today yeah. at Angola, minus one guard tower, which is in a very famous place in our country. Infamous history yeah. of the bloodiest prison in America. And it don't get bloodier than the red hat. That's right. And it, this, this is a, 
put that in the context I mean, of all the prisons we have and all the history of the prisons in the United States of America, Red Hat cell block was simply the worst. There's no guard tower, gun tower in the Smithsonian from another prison. That's right. And there's nobody else that I know. There's a, no cell block that has the designation of National Store Register. That's right. But you can look it up. Thank you all again for listening. And Woody, we want to obviously thank our wonderful Chase team members. For yes, yes, day. Chase team members. Thank you so much. And um, by the time you hear this, you should have already had your second episode locked up. Sean Vincent Gillis. You'll hear one of the sickest, but not dramatized, sickest things, six human beings or animal. You can't really call it fucker human being. And monster. Jim, the monster. Thank you. Jim did the research as he always does. And he came up with So Now look, I worked, I, I was in law enforcement at, 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 during Sean Vince's reign of terror. Uh, and we talk Gillis. about that during and, the episode. And, um, but Jim found shit that I didn't even know. And, but anyway, Chase team, thank you so much. We appreciate y'all. And thank y'all for listening. If you can't be a Chase team member, we get it. Uh, uh, we love you anyway. Please go leave us a review. Tell all your friends, family, and anybody who is interested in true crime, but historic true crime. And check out our YouTube channel. Yes. Jim puts together these episodes, and you'll get to see actual pictures of the things we're talking about. Just like the Red Hat. We're going to have pictures of that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, because that way, um, when the videos go up, you'll get a notification you can watch it at your at your leisure. That's right. So thank you so much to everybody. Much love to all of you. And until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. Host of Bloody Angola. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. A podcast 142 years in the making. Peace. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>